Welcome back to the Woodhouse Grove STEM podcast. Today we are on the topic of gravity. Uh, I stopped doing physics at year 11, so as far as I know, gravity is weight over mass. Um, that's, that's like a rearranged formula, but Alex, I understand you know a little bit more about gravity than me. Yep, so gravity is a force between any two objects with mass and is always attractive, so it's always pulling those two objects closer together by that. And that's all I really know because I haven't done much research into it myself, but we have Seb here who knows a lot more than me. Well, so Newton came up with these equations, uh, the, this like method of calculating gravitational acceleration. And you hear the whole famous like apple falling out of a tree thing. Mm. Um, so you, that's where you get the two objects with mass are getting attracted to each other. But then uh, kind of in like the early part of the 1900s, we started to realize that light was behaving weird because light was being affected by gravity. And that doesn't make any sense because light doesn't have any mass. So that shows us that Newton's equations for gravity clearly had a flaw in them. So they, they worked for most scenarios, but there were special cases where objects had really big mass or like zero mass where it kind of broke down. So that's where you get Einstein coming in. So what Einstein did was he came up with a really genius uh, way of thinking about gravity called general relativity. So you will have heard of Einstein's theory of relativity. You might have heard it in some sci-fi show or whatever. Um, and basically what it tells us is that objects with mass curve space-time, which is quite a complicated thing to get your head around, is that space and time, uh, that's the first thing, space and time are together. They are one thing not space and then time. And then the second part is that it can curve. So it's not the fact that it's a attraction between two things. It's that uh, it's a curvature of space time and then objects traveling through that will travel along a curved path. So, so for those so for those in the home that can't quite picture this, would you say it's, would you equate this to like a ball on a trampoline? Yeah, that's one way that you can picture it. Yeah. But imagine that where uh, it's in like four dimensions. That's the that's how complicated it is. So it's very mathematical and hard to get your head around. But yeah, a ball on a trampoline is a good way of explaining it. Sorry, can we go, go back to that four dimensions thing? So we've got X and Y, as most people know. And we've got Z that if you were like mm -hmm. doing this on a page, it'd come out at you on the page. Yeah. Fourth dimension, what is that? So the fourth dimension is time. So we are always traveling through time. That's why everything changes, or like we're moving through time. Um, so it's, uh, how do you explain it? Like if you had a flip book, say, mm. and you flip through all the pages, the thickness of the book would be kind of like time. Whichever page you're on is like an interval of time. Okay. But then imagine that in 3D space. So it's kind of like a 3D thing progressing. It's really hard to get your head around it to begin so, with. So would it almost be like if a page on a book had three dimensions? So yeah. every new page is at the fourth dimension. Mm -hmm. And then the pages itself were the three dimensions that we know and exist in. Yeah. We've said the word dimension way too many times. But uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. It's, it's a difficult thing to get your head around. Yeah. But that's what it is. And one of the most important equations is that, uh, one of the most important things to get your head around is that no matter how you're traveling, you always travel at the speed of light. So currently, mm. I am sat still, yeah. but I'm on Earth, which is moving. And that is moving around the sun and that is moving around the solar system and the solar system is moving in the galaxy and on and on and whatever. Um, I just said the sun is moving around the solar system, whatever. Yeah. Um, you get the point. Yeah. 
So I am moving. I'm yeah. moving relative to something that is completely stationary in the universe. I don't know how you would do that, but relative to something, I'm yeah. moving fast. Yeah. Right? Including how fast I'm moving through time in that equation, you end up with it will always equal the speed of light. So it's I keep it's really complicated to get your head around at first. So if you were to move at the speed of light through space, yeah. like light does, yeah. then time doesn't happen because you're not moving through time. So you would Christian your face. Break <laughs> the time barrier. Sorry, it's because listen, I've watched I've watched too many mm-hmm. sci-fi films yeah, and yeah. there's so many theories <laughs> on this. So I'm trying to negate all those thoughts. But so what I'm understanding is if you move fast enough, you negate the entire th- concept of time. If you move at the speed of light, yeah, with the mass that you have that light doesn't. Well, that's it get, where it gets more complicated. Oh but let's okay, say, take away the mass then. Let's, yeah, take let's away say the mass that you have quick. no mass, so you are a photon of light. Right, right, okay, I have no mass at all. You have no mass, you are just light. Right. If, picture yourself as being light. Yep. Too light, time doesn't happen. So from the instant that it is created, yep. to the instant that it is destroyed, yeah, n- like there is no time that passes for it, or time doesn't pass for a photon. So if you are to travel close to the speed of light, yep. time would happen for you very, very, very slowly. Right, okay. And if you were to travel really, really, really still, you would ta- if you were to be as still as possible, then, and not travel through space at all, yep. you'd be traveling at light at the speed of light. Sorry, that's going to take a few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, Why does it slow down, though, when you're moving faster? <clears throat> so, I think, I watched the video on this, and an easy thing to think about is, imagine you're on a, I don't know, spaceship or... Um, something that's moving really fast and then you shone light forwards in the direction that the thing you're in is traveling but you wouldn't be able the light that you're shining um, let's say let's say it's a torch it won't be able to travel faster than the speed of light if you're already moving yeah. at the speed of light because the speed of light is constant no matter yeah exactly the speed of the observer so the only way that can happen is time dilation so that's why time Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes. It's kind of like I don't know if uh, this might be a, a no, wrong go analogy. Don't worry. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you consider the equation speed equals distance over time, okay, is is what you're implying that if your speed gets to a certain level, time becomes less mm. effective? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not quite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you're talking about traveling through time. Yep. You can't use meters. You, no. You're talking about seconds per second, which doesn't like makes sense in your head yeah so what we do is we input a value which we call proper time yep so which is what time feels like to you so if you just count like a certain beat if you had a metronome say and it was beating you could count how many beats it did yeah you would be able to then get a number of proper time if you then had somebody outside who was climbing on a top stopwatch yep they would get a value for how much time has passed okay so you is it's kind of the ratio of proper time to actual time actual time like it's again it's really complicated to get your head around to f- at first, especially when you're just doing another podcast with no yeah. like, videos or yeah, 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 yeah. drawings to explain it. All right, let me ask something that I'm sure people at home are uh, wondering. Seb, I'm going to twist your brain a little bit. Go ahead. Theoretically, do you reckon space, uh, space? time travel would be possible? <laughs> now, I'm no. glad you asked. Uh, yes, forwards, but not backwards. How you cannot travel go? backwards in time, yeah. but you can travel forwards in time. And the way that you travel forwards in time is to travel really fast. So say you're to travel 
very close to the speed of light, yep. then time happens for you less than it does for somebody who's not traveling at speed. Let's so, stop right there really quickly. When you say time happens less. Yeah. So say you were to, one of the famous ones uh, that people get is, uh, it's called the twin paradox. Yep. So the answer to the actual question is yes and no. Yeah. It's a paradox. Okay. Um, but say you to go on a spaceship. Yep. And you to travel uh, ridiculously fast near yeah. the speed of light. Yeah. And you were on that spaceship for 10 years. Yeah. When you got back, you will have aged by 10 years, right? Okay, yeah. But for the people on Earth who have not traveled that speed, yeah, they would have time happen different, so they will have aged a different amount. So say they might have aged 30 years. Oh, okay. So if you had a twin, yeah, you and your twin would no be longer. different ages at the end. The, the reason why it's a paradox is because if you're traveling away from them yep. at the speed of light, then so relative to you, they're traveling the other way at the speed of light. Ah, uh, okay. That's where All the right. paradox comes from. Okay. So in reality, you'd have to, so you can't really put them in the same, same. inertial All view. All right, cool. Okay, so so as for, as far as time travel mm -hmm. goes? And that isn't even talking about wormholes. Oh, my days. All right. <laughs> yeah. So a wormhole is purely mathematical currently. We haven't found any proof that they exist, but mathematically that makes sense. Yeah which would say that you can travel from one point in space to the other point in space through this wormhole. It's yeah. kind of like folding a piece of paper in half and poking a hole through it. You kind of, and you come out this other side, you've traveled faster than the speed of light. So yeah. A bit like a gateway to somewhere else. Yeah, quite. <coughs> um, but say if you were to do that, and you had to travel 66 million light years away, yep. and you travel instantaneously, and you looked back at Earth with, mag with a, like a telescope, yep. you'd see dinosaurs, because that's the light that's getting to you. You get yeah, so you'd be so, able to see the past. So a wormhole is like if you took an A4 sheet of paper mm -hmm. and you took the short sides and folded them together. Yeah, except that in four dimensions. In four dimensions, so you would travel from one side of the paper to the other side of the paper, and very, as you're traveling, quickly. it looks short. But because you, when you open that thing back out, because in reality you've traveled a long distance. Yeah. So because of that, if you were to then look back, you are ahead of where light has come. Yeah. Because you've traveled faster than the speed of light, so that that light will have just managed to reach that point. That light would have been created 66 million light years ago in that situation. But then that pinching of um, of space, wouldn't that mean that caused ripple effects somewhere? Because let's, I don't even know how the universe is like as a shape. I don't know how it. Nobody does. Yeah, like geometrically, we, I don't know we how. we know, we know topologically that yeah. it's, pr we're pretty certain that it's pretty flat. Flat. Yeah, flat topologically, not geometrically. Right. Which are different somehow. Okay. Um, So it's flat, but it could be. Other shapes that are flat, topologically speaking, are not flat geometrically speaking, like a donut, say. Okay. Topologically speaking, that's flat. Yeah. But not quite. Okay. You but then that, I mean? that but then so that travelling through a wormhole, if you were to pinch space like that so those two points then became closer. Yep. What would happen then once it cause something should have happened to make it to to have pinched it like that, surely. It's probably why we haven't found any yet. Fair enough. <laughs> um because for a wormhole to exist one of the theories is that a black hole will go out to a white hole somewhere else. Okay. But the problem with that is, as you get into the black hole, this is where it gets really complicated. So as you go into the black hole, time slows down because you're speeding up. Yep. So then time, so the wormhole kind of closes in on itself in four dimensions. Right. So you can't get through it. Yeah. So there could be a wormhole, but it'd be pinched almost in the middle. Yeah. If you want to think of it like that, so you can't actually get past it. So then there are other 
theories for wormholes, like string theory, uh, which would suggest that there were strings at the start of the universe and they'd been expanded and you could travel kind of through there. It, it gets... That is where quite a lot of the modern research in cosmology is based. That and, like, how the universe began, mm. how galaxies formed, that kind of thing. Yeah, now we've... Um moved slightly away from the topic of like gravity that we started off with how about we move into like gravity without talking about mass let's say artificial gravity so moving on from the topic of gravity we're going to start talking about artificial gravity now artificial gravity is a new idea that's basically um if we went into space how would we stop people from muscle mass from atrophying over time how would you stop people getting sick? Well, not sick, but um, having serious problems with how muscles. Because um, when you're on Earth, you're under the constant effects of gravity, and you're always being weighed down upon. And when you do stuff, you're constantly moving your muscles. When you're in space, you're practically just floating around. So it'd be like sitting on a couch, you know, six months or a year. And then when you come back down to Earth, you have serious problems, which can include heart problems and all sorts. So the, how would we keep people in space for a long time? Does anyone else have something to... Yeah, I mean, we've kind of done a bit of this in uh, A-level physics with circular motion and all that. Like, the idea is really just to um, make a structure so big and let it rotate that it can, um, like, simulate gravity in a way that's similar to, like, 1G, which is, like, um, one times the gravity on Earth, which is almost the same as the gravity on Earth you would feel in here. And... um, when it's in rotation, it depends where you want it to go, whether it's in orbit around Earth or um, on route to a different planet or something. And then that way, usually in these long journeys, you would have the uh, astronauts in constant gravity. So that way their muscle mass stays relatively the same. Their um, bone density isn't like suddenly, um, what do you call it, like um, severely... um, uh, damaged and your cardiovascular system is just as strong as you are on earth so that's the that's the main idea behind it and uh so what what sort of size are we talking i mean for you can't do anything too small otherwise your the gravity you'd feel between your head and your feet would be so different that um you it's not it's not a really right that so, healthy. so, so the to, the acceleration would be different in your head to your feet so all the blood would basically be pushed to your feet yeah to your feet so you want something big enough where it's not significant okay uh so i think is it if the radius was 150 meters so we had a diameter of 300 meters all the way across uh, i think we would need um in order to achieve an acceleration of 9.8 one meters per second i think we would need the station to rotate about 2.5 times each minute oh. which obviously is quite quick so yeah, i is. guess we would need maybe something that's more than a kilometer in Long. diameter mm. of course this um poses serious problems when actually building something because we'd have to get you know 150 meters to a kilometer of materials or just to build the radius up into space and um this could weigh quite a few tons. The International Space Station was built like, well, in modules, like Lego pieces. And we send up each piece up there and we link them together. But if we were trying to build something which have a centripetal for- force great enough to feel like artificial gravity, 
then uh, it'd probably have to be quite more smoothly built, much more interlocking, which pose a serious engineering problem. And mm. uh, but it is something that people can see happening within a decade, two decades, maybe three decades. Yeah. This sort of idea is coming together. There's also the problem um, with size as well. If it's too small, and let's say you run like round the thing, um, round the, uh, what do you call it, the circle. If you run round it about five meters per second, you could be feeling like, um, much either like I don't know 1.5 g's of gravity because you're running, um, so you'll 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 be running f- at a faster revolution, so your gravity will be stronger. Or if you run the other way to where, where it's spinning, then you'd feel much lighter. And there's also um, uh, I heard in the news recently there's like in 2026 they're assembling like this space hotel for rich people where you can do like research and stuff. And the main basis behind it, where why people want to go on it, is because of it's spinning in orbit around space. So it's you can actually feel the artificial gravity on that. Um, I don't know. Would anyone actually go on that? Because it'd be be a pretty expensive trip. Well, depend depend. Yeah, depends how much. I'm. I would definitely be up for it. Uh, I think I heard something similar. I don't think it's the same thing. I think there were uh, scientists had like calculated you would need. Um, need to build a, a space station at 60 kilometers wide in order for the, the, the force we were talking to uh, about earlier to be negli- negligible so the difference between mm-hmm. the force at your head and your feet uh, which is obviously huge Yeah. I mean massive. if we were to build that it would mean I'm guessing using like 10 years of building. the amount of aluminium we, we make on earth would just have to go towards this space station yeah and transporting that up there as well yes obviously we can't build anything that big well not in the near future anything of course um costs will come down as they do and this new rise of capitalism in space by people like elon musk and jeff bezos will probably mean um more rockets cheaper rockets cheaper space stations so we could see something like this come together but uh, it'd be a massive project, you know. Mm-hmm. We haven't done something. We haven't done, haven't done something this significant size for this international space station before the moon landing. Yeah. We're talking about something that let people stay in space on a almost permanent basis, as long as they could be refueled. I mean, we've kind of seen NASA do something like this before, um, like quite recently actually, when they sent a probe out um, a few years ago to a asteroid called Hayabusa, I think, and then what they had the probe do is collect a sample of from the asteroid bring it up and then it spins round and using the uh um what do you call it the centrifugal force it can measure how much mass it weighs just from spinning it so we've kind of seen that like um being used in space before yeah so i think something similar in the 60s nasa uh conducted like an experiment to see again how big you would have to build uh, yeah, such a massive structure. Such a structure, um, and they they built one on Earth and sort of spun it round. Obviously, we you have the you have to consider Earth's gravitational field, but um, again, they came to some mm. some massive number. Yeah, I mean, you could really go on one of these yourself, like a theme park ride where they spin round. You could feel that, or even if you're training to be an Air Force pilot. They put you in a centrifuge just like to practice um, how many G's you could undergo. Like 
I think the maximum a body can go is like nine Gs or something. And then before you go pass out, probably like four Gs or something. Of course. Uh, this will brings us on to another question of who would build it. Mm. Would it be um, a UN sort of mission, you know, like a new worldwide space station? Or would it be a country or would it be owned by, like Dan said, a hotel? So um, we have no idea who's actually going to build this. Mm. or what we, But it could be used to launch other missions off potentially. Yeah. And allow astronauts to stay in space. Months. Yeah, that'll be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think something like this, we don't we don't necessarily need it for research, so it'll probably have to be privately funded, like the missions by SpaceX at the moment, things like that. Mm. Uh, and again, as as we sort of alluded to earlier, I think it would be more of a, I guess, holiday destination. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with maybe a few experiments, but... All right. Um, so, oh, were you going to say so something? people might have uh, holidays in space yeah. for months. Not just a small trip to, like the atmosphere, but actually in space. Yeah, that'll be pretty sick. Um, there's also another way of doing artificial gravity is something called the 1G rocket, where you just constantly accelerate your rocket at 9.81 meters per second. And then the people inside, well, everything inside would be feeling the same thing, um, but opposite, obviously. So it would be like like you're on Earth again, really. But this doesn't have the disadvantages of the, the spinning one, because spinning, obviously, you have to make it large enough so you, you don't experience different Gs at different places and all that. And if you're constantly accelerating, you won't have to deal with any of that. There's only the fuel problem and, um, yeah. I mean, is it possible to keep accelerating at, what, 9.8 metres per second um, for such long periods of time? I mean, we with the technology we have now, we could probably go a few minutes yeah. before before we, like, either run out of fuel or the... Drag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's also your fuel efficiency problem. There's, like, if you want to go to, let's say, I don't know, Venus or Mars or whatever in the 1G rocket you'd like keep on accelerating for um half the journey and then decelerate the other way for the other half that way you would constantly accept feeling acceleration but for periods that long we wouldn't be able to it's literally impossible to design something fuel efficient enough to um even if it was 100 percent fuel efficient you still wouldn't be able to really do do that with today's technology so there's that problem as well yeah yeah i guess one of the the main benefits of building one of these um what do you call them again the like one g rocket centrifuge no the yeah they're like uh, yeah there's i guess the circular space stations is that once you've got it spinning and accelerating at 9.8 meters per second you don't need to do anything to it you don't have to apply any external forces to it or just keep keep yeah, rotating yeah. rotating yeah and that way you can you won't have to require any extra energy or anything so to sum it all up we might have a ridiculously expensive home away from home in space we might have a hol hotel for really rich people or we might not so uh, thank you for listening and uh, hope you hear, hear from us soon we'll see you later